Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Max Potential Habits podcast. If this is your first time here, it is your place to learn habits that will help you optimize your life and your business. Today, we have on an incredible guest who I actually got to meet at a Brendan Burchard event. It was my very first event when I stepped into coaching after I finished grad school and I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to be a coach. And Anthony Trucks got on stage and I took mad notes and I was like, this guy is awesome. And little did I know at the time, he'd be coming on my show to join me for my podcast. So really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. man. So, so life works amazing like that. Doesn't it? I love Put it. Put in place for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. So, you know, if you don't know Anthony yet, you're going to after this podcast. He is the founder of Identity Shift. He is a former NFL player, an American ninja warrior. Are you kidding? This is cool. I wore the shirt today on accident. I love yes. it. <laughs> Speaker, author, coach, and family man. And just a high vibe guy who brings to the table really incredible, inspirational awesomeness. And your backstory is incredible. So let's start there. Tell us yeah. about how you came to be who you are today. This dude, well, I was born at one point, and I, uh, <laughs> I came out of the stardust and I was created. Now, I, uh, well, no, not even, no, I, I think it's that actually worked, right? You're just born one day. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so for me, I, I think, well, I, mean, I know it started years ago. So back in 2012, I kind of um, entered into this space I'm in now, like I was on 12, 13, but way before that, when I was born in 1983, because I'm an old man, I got some gray hairs to prove it now. Uh, uh, you're young. You're so I was, young. I was put into a situation at, at uh, three years old in 1986 my mom just gave me and my three siblings away into foster care so I started my life where a lot of people find themselves in life which is not feeling like you matter or you're loved or you know like feeling super less than and it really was a defeating feeling it's my first memories of life and I bounced around from you know house to house five different houses in the foster care system where I was beaten and starved and tortured and stuff so my life started out pretty difficult uh, I was trying to navigate who I am, where I fit, like what's my identity. Even then, I didn't know what it was called because I was a kid, but I never knew who Anthony was. Got put into a family at uh, six years old, which is my family still. Uh, I was adopted at 14, but spent eight years with this family before I kind of was adopted. And it was unique because it was, a, you know, an all-white family, only black guy, all-white family. So now I'm this, you know, foster kid who doesn't fit in, you know, like we'll call it racially with this group, but I get, you know, weird, like, restaurant, you know, statements of, like, hey, table for, for six, like, no, there's seven of us, because this guy's with us, too, uh, and it was just weird, you know, just kind of my, my upbringing, and then at 14, I got a chance to do something, which is unique for a 14-year-old to do, but I got to stand in front of a judge, in front of my real mom, and say, I no longer want you to be my mom anymore, and severed parental rights, and allowed me to be adopted for the first time, so, like, a weird emotional feel there, because this, for a lot of years, I just want to be with this person, because a lot of us have someone that we know loves us like we want them to love us but we don't feel the love and this was my mom for a lot of years and so i finally got to a chance of realization of like no not the best for me this family it's trying to love me i need to let them love me and so yeah i mean i, I got a chance to get adopted played football sucked the first time like i was horrible we all we all try things that we suck at yeah. and then a lot of us because we suck we're like ah, i don't want to feel the pain of knowing i suck so let me go find something else and so i i did that at first but circled back to it thankfully and, uh, and figure out how to be great at it. And, you know, fast forward a year, I went from like this horrible player to like a star player. Fast forward two more years, I, you know, get a college scholarship to play football at the University of Oregon. Uh, so I'm a duck, I get to go there. Uh, my high school sweetheart comes with me. We have a kid at 20 years old. I meet my biological dad at 21. So now I have two dads, but they're not gay. 
Bitcoin's, you know, the foster of the rail. And uh, so I have this weird dynamic of life. And then I get out of the, uh, you know, college atmosphere, we'll call it, and get a chance to play in the NFL. Play three years. I get hurt in my third, pretty much. Hurt the Bucks, Redskins, Steelers. NFL stands for not for long. And uh, a, lot, a lot of the things that you do in that world is super cutthroat. So I got out, came home, had my degree in kinesiology, opened a gym. Because, you know, it's a novel idea, an athlete who opens a gym. Whoever saw that happen before? <laughs> so <laughs> I had my degree in kinesiology, so I did that realm. And then I realized that, uh, that life was not the greatest. Because I had lost my identity completely. It was stripped from me. Like, I was a football guy. And it was gone. When you lose something, it's you, whether it's a mom sending your kid off to college um, or a guy that loses his job or, like, anybody. Like, you know, you get, you get an injury that changes the way you operate. You're, you're done. Like, it's not, it's not who you are anymore. So who am I? It's a big question for me. It was football. And I got to this point of navigating that and wanting to rebuild that in an area, which was this gym. So came home, started running this gym, and then neglected my entire life outside of it. You know, I was there 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. neglected my wife. I had three kids at this time. We had two more the twins. And uh, get to a point where I found out my wife's having an affair. Like, my life is shattered because now my family's pulled apart. I'm out of shape, the worst I've ever been in my life, but I own a gym. The gym's not doing well. Nine months in, it's damn near bankrupt. Like, I, I seriously was about to be evicted. Like, it's just the bottoms. And, uh, and yeah, I just I drive off one night, you know, looking for rec boys, and then thankfully nothing happened. Uh, I kind of got a chance to snap out of this moment and, you know, came back to to rebuild my life. I was pretty much in a fog for a couple of years. And fast forward a couple of years, uh, it was 2014. So this happened like 2011, I want to say, 2012. 2014, my mom passed away from multiple sclerosis. Uh, and so now I'm this guy that's trying to figure out, like, who in the world am I? Because a lot of us get to a foggy point and last far too long. Like, I'm just, yeah. I'm in this place. This sucks. I don't like this. But as long as I'm not dying, like, I'll be okay. So just we go through the motions. And I did that. And then I realized my mom passed at 47. I was like, man, at my age, like at 30. I could be here for less years than I've already been here. And it already feels fast. Like something's got to change. And so I went through this journey trying to navigate who I am, where I fit, what I'm supposed to do in this world. And it landed me in some unique rooms. One same as yours, Experts Academy. I was like, oh, there may be a reason for the craziness of my life. There might be a, a purpose for all this stuff happening. And if I could do something to honor my mom, it would be to, to give back to the world the way she gave me, which was super unconditional. Like she didn't have to keep me. And I was a bad kid. Like, I was a nuts old little kid back then. I'm telling you, I used to break lamps, get in trouble. But she loved me through it. So I realized that the way that I can bring myself into the world is to do the same thing my mom did, which is love people that I don't know or have blood connection to unconditionally. And navigate all these weird shifts. Because I was sitting in a room where this whole work comes to be. I sit in this room with a bunch of guys and, you know, telling them I'd spent five years building this, you know, speaking business. And one of the guys goes, I don't like it. I was like, what do you mean you don't like it? It's called trust your hustle. I don't like it. I go, well, he goes, well, at the end of the day, there's got to be a message and a messenger. He's like, the messenger is you. The way you have a passion, a heart, what you do. He's like, you're the guy. But the, the message isn't the one. He's like, I, I know that what you've gone through is crazy. He says, you've gone through things where like, you know, 20 of them, whereas one of those would shut a lot of people in this room down. A yeah. lot of people in the world would navigate past one. How did you do that? I was like, uh, I never thought about that. So I kind of went back to the drawing board and, uh, and unpacked my story, the psychology, the neuroscience behind what it is that, that makes a human tick. And yeah, I've been since then trying to run away from the dumb jock uh, stigma. So I have a brain, I have a perspective. I love what I do. I'm, uh, my wife and I are back together for three years of me owning a lot of my shift. And, uh, and yeah, so I got, I got a really cool life. At this point, the coolest part of the life is helping other people have cool parts of their lives. Ooh, so many gems in there that I want to ask you about. This is incredible. And you're so right. I love that he pointed out to you that, 
you've overcome so much and you know really you're uh i had a woman on recently who wrote a book about being a conqueror and she had overcome a lot and it's like you're a conqueror right and and you forget to notice all the places all the work you did to get where you are today and how that actually could be a path to help other people pinky finger power yeah it's incredible and so well what's something i wanted to ask before i forget you you and your so your wife had an affair and did you separate well, yeah, we got divorced, custody <laughs> battle. I had a okay. girlfriend with me. She lived with her boyfriend for a while. It was a really, but I think at the same time we were together at 16. So when you're together yeah. at 16, you just, you don't know who you are. And I'm not saying that I, I like that it happened, but there was, we were on a path to like, it was going to end at some point, yeah. to be totally yeah. honest. Like I, I wasn't growing, she wasn't growing and we didn't know who we were separately. And so as much as it sucked for that being the reason that, that it went the route, like, I also had to accept the fact that she made a crappy choice, but she didn't get to a place of having to make a choice by herself. Totally. And so, yeah. you know, that was kind of the realization I had, and it gave us some space and some time, and I grew, and I, you know, I sewed my oats, we'll call it, she did her own, and yeah. we came back and realized, like, we are way better together, and uh, no one gets me like you, and, and because of the growth we both went on in our own kind of separate journeys, I got to later on meet a person for the first time I'd known for 18 years, brand yeah. new human. So it's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. I wanted to point that out because I think that's very rare that people, and, and I get it, I got married really young as well. And I ended my relationship having an affair. And now him and I are really good friends. Like he's one of my very best friends in the whole world. And I met him really when I was 13. And it's, mm-hmm. I think people get surprised by that. But what happens when two people are willing to do the work and grow, then you can recover and be closer than you were before. You know, it yeah. didn't result in me getting remarried to him, but we're, we have family holidays and do all these great things. So it's really, it, to me, it's this, statement and testament to your doing work on yourself and her doing work on herself and then what a gift for your kids how cool is it that works. how, yeah, how old are they, your kids now my oldest is 15 man he okay. he's a sophomore in high school i'm an old man i'm telling you I'm no, old. I, I right i have a 21 year old <laughs> it blows my mind i'm like wow Nuts. this is crazy yeah and then yeah. i have a uh, twins are 10 so twins okay. are 10 and it's okay. yeah so life is cool i i actually yeah. enjoy being a young father now i mean yeah, i'm not the guy too. that's like trying to be cool you know but I have, I have the ability to have them still see me do stuff mm-hmm. and they can, they can be proud of dad. So it's like, they get to see me on this Ninja War TV show or compete yeah. in Spartan races and doing stuff. It's like, Oh, dad, dad still got it. Like, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I've gotten to be really close to my kids because I had them so young. It's a huge gift and it, it was hard, of course, being a young mom, but it's amazing. Okay. That, which is funny. I don't have very many, I don't talk to people about their kids all that often on, on the Max Potential Habits podcast. I do sometimes, but we often talk business and, you know, I think it's really important to bring in the, the family relationship pieces. I had uh, a guest on last week that was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Similarly, all my guests are incredible. So there you go. <laughs> I yeah. want to ask you, um, identity shifts. When you started to look back and, and, you know, you said you cultivated a story about how you had gone from there to that point that you were at yeah. where you were out and very distraught and at the bottom. How did, what happened for you? Tell us the process. You know, it's, I don't know where people are at who are listening to this. Some people are yeah. driving and other people are stuck. So I yeah. always like to help give people really specific tools. So what was that process yeah. like for you? Yeah. And that's one thing I've always tried to do at this point in my career is not just be a talker. Like here's a concept it's possible, but actually how do you do that? Aunt? Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, uh, one, everybody has a next level, right? I don't care if you're a billionaire or you are homeless. There's always a next level for you to peek up to. Yeah. Whether it's personal or financial, whatever it is. And so for me, I've went back and looked and it really was a lot of unpacking uh, Anthony. Like who, who was Anthony? How did he go through the stuff? What were you thinking then? And 
then try to actually research stuff that would make it make sense, right? So I'm not just talking from like, well, I did it, you can too, because that doesn't help anybody. And uh, what I've broken it down to, we want to look at is we have, like the goals for me to have success be your second nature. Like legitimately, like you, you just do things that have the Midas touch. It's like, how does that person do it? Well, this is just who they are to do that kind of thing. And a lot of it is we're trying to spend time as the person we are doing things somebody else does and it's draining. And, and what you have is called an identity gap. Like I'm not the person that does that thing. So I'm trying this thing and it's just not working. So I want to lose weight. Well, I'm going to be me, but I'm going to try to eat healthier and I'm going to try to go to the gym. Like, no, eventually you just become the person who just posts yoga pants and salads all day. Like that's, that's who you are now. And it becomes easy. It becomes effortless effort. And then you become that person where somebody says, well, how do you just do all that? And you're like, it's just what I do. Yeah. That's, that's, there's so much power to that. And so for me, I looked back at my life and found that I was just closing gaps all over the place. I was closing the gap between the guy that was, you know, a football player trying to be a good one. But like I did the things a good football player does. Yeah. Because what it ends up being is uh, like at 15, I got to this level where I sucked, didn't want to do anything. And I was like, I had this moment in time where I woke up. I was like, I got to try to be great. I got to do these things a football player does. And really at that age, I found the, the secret to it all. And it was this, this time I put in. Like I, I literally went back and every single day I, I went to the gym, I ran routes, I was catching football. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing stuff. And the more I invested into this, this, this human, the more I got a return. What I found is what you create, creates you. And mm -hmm. so I was creating this stronger, more powerful football player, which then could go show up on the field. And then he would make the plays to get that internal Anthony, that self-confidence and pride and like that. I got this to the extent that I would go to bat for myself every moment that I needed to go to bat. So if it was me and you and, and we're going to take a stance, like I'm going to win. You don't get to win today. Like I just, no, no, I put the work in. I show up in those moments. But if I didn't put that work in, in the dark, like I don't, it's not who I am. Like I might tuck back and I might get small. And so I found that over the years, like I just kept doing that in all areas. Like it just was always the way I operated. And when I look at that and apply it to somebody else, like the person listening right now, the thing is you have to get to a stance where you start investing in small ways, sucking in the beginning, but realizing the return on the investment is the self-confidence, the pride, the skill set over time. And so the actual structural processes is called C, shift, sustain. And so when, when you go through these three stages, you can actually make this work. And so to make this make sense for people, imagine you, just, you are the identity you are right now. And when you think about kind of like what makes you the identity you are, you have this, uh, these actions you take. We talked about the effortless effort. And what happens is we don't realize that our ego shows up in an amazing way. Everybody thinks it's like the greatest obstacle, like it's a problem, like your ego sucks. I'm like, no, like your ego is an amazing tool, right? Yeah. The ego is the thing that made me, you know, show up to do my workouts for, for football. It's the thing that made, yeah. makes me show up now as a great dad. My ego pops up and says, no, I'm a great dad, I do this. I'm a great coach, I do this, right? Yeah. So my ego shows up in the actions effortlessly because it's just me protecting who I am. So it's not a difficult thing to do, but it only happens because I, in fact, am showing up and doing that work. And, and if you think about it, it's what I call an ideal identity. So if you want to get to this, this shifting end, right? So C shifts and stains to get to an ideal identity, the perfect identity for who I am. And there's three lobes to it, like a Venn diagram. You have your beliefs, you have your thoughts, you have your actions. And what happens is if my beliefs and my thoughts where they overlap, if they are incongruent, my mindset's weak. So if I have this belief that I'm supposed to be out there giving this amazing thing to the world, but then my thoughts keep questioning it. Well, are you, should mm -hmm. you, are you mm -hmm. smart enough? Like, should you, should you ask for the sale? Like, you know, what if they, what if they don't want to buy it? Well, then my mindset's weak and I don't show up. 
And then it's all of a sudden like, oh man, nothing's good, I suck. It's just this weird negative cycle. Then you have where your actions and your thoughts show up. So if I think I should be doing this thing and I think about doing it, but then I, I don't do it, I fall out of commitment. I have no habits that are good. Like, so if my habits suck, then you, you don't get much done. I'm not gonna say you suck, but you might suck, right? If your habits suck, like it's, it's who you are. What you yeah, do is yeah. who you are. And then you have the one that is incredibly important that I found uh, looking back at all my life to have this weird sense of like, I love this dude and here's why. Where your beliefs and your actions show up are big. So if I believe and supposed to do this thing and I, and I don't do it, I lose that little chip on the shoulder. And all of a sudden I feel like, oh man, I missed a workout today or I didn't get that thing done. Like today I have a video I gotta get done and I could easily push it off till tomorrow, but I'm like, no, 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 I get that done, let's go. So like I got my mind, my set studio's all set up because I'm gonna, it's a 30 second video, but yeah. I gotta get it done, right? It's my yeah. chip on my shoulder, my pride. Because when your pride and commitment comes in, that identity we're talking about that you, you protect with your ego, when you got that chip, like the ego shows up. Like it's like, no, we get this done, it's who I am. And I'm always making sure that that's how I flow into living my life. And so a lot of the things I do, like I'm smart about what I put in the plate and don't put in the plate so that I can always show up for myself because I don't want to look in the mirror and not like that guy. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big one. When people, when they show up like and look at themselves in the mirror and they don't like that person, they don't realize what it does to affect them. So it's like, I love somebody, care about them. Like you have a kid you love, you're going to show up for them because you love them and you care about them. Like you just have that. But if you don't love or respect somebody, like, I'm not showing up for you, man. You can't come to Thanksgiving dinner. We forget about you, right? So for me, it's like whenever you lose the commitment we just talked about, you start falling out of respect for yourself, out of love for yourself. And so you don't show up for yourself. So you don't get the workouts. You don't get the things done. You don't read the books. You don't make the calls. You don't grow the business. And you start being fearful of self. And it's a negative decline. And yeah. so the work that I do is I come back to the C-shift sustain. And, and stop if you want to unpack this. But these are like the three mm -hmm. pillars of how to make this shift to be able to make success. Yeah, you're rolling, I love it, I love that's it. What, that's what I do, Dave. I <laughs> I'll ask you plenty of questions soon. <laughs> yeah, this is my, my daily process. So I'll, I'll yeah. give you the, the quick overarch we can unpack. But the first thing is you have to see, and see as two pieces. You have to see what's holding you back. So where are your gaps? What's stopping you? Um, why, why are there things in your life that, that are happening consistently? And finding out like, oh yeah, yeah, that's my fault. Like the relationship thing I talked about, like it, I wasn't seeing it for what it was. Therefore, I kept running into it with different relationships after I got divorced. Yeah. I couldn't see it. So I kept Yeah, because if you're happen. looking outward and thinking it's everyone else, you're not looking within. And then the same yeah. thing shows up to teach you the same lessons until you yeah. get it. Exactly. And then you feel helpless, which is it sucks. Because then you're yeah. like, well, no matter what I do, it's always going to keep happening this way. And, yeah. and it's a difficult place because it's not the truth. Because yeah. if, if you realize that you had a, a power in that, yeah. you take it back. The problem is that power comes with the pain of acceptance. Mm -hmm. and most acknowledging and being radically responsible right so you have to be willing to see yourself clearly as you are mm -hmm. and, yeah. and not beat yourself up it's more it's yeah. just clarity raising you know I always tell people mm -hmm. your conscious level we, we operate 95% unconscious so mm -hmm. what you're talking about in that seeing is raising your conscious awareness about who you are and where you're at so then you can shift where you want to go yeah that's what it boils yeah. down to and a lot yeah. of people don't do it so once yeah. you do that the next thing is uh, what I call dreaming at full speed. Like it's, it's now that I've, I've unhitched the trailer, how fast can I go? And some people can go fast, but then they, they stop themselves. Imagine this, uh, I love this metaphor because I should think about, I'm gonna do this one day. Imagine you're like in the, the desert, straight, perfectly clean, you know, the highway, all black pavement, and you're in this nice, red, beautiful, crisp Ferrari, and like the, the gas is just pedal to the floor, hearts racing, like, <sighs> like the hair's blowing to convert up, but like, ah! <sighs> 
wow, right? It's a massive feeling. <laughs> you think about it, sometimes when we're dreaming, we have that same like, I'm gonna get this job, I'm gonna make this money, I'm gonna start this business, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden, like if you were in that car, what if somebody put a speed bump in there? Like, oh, oh wait, I gotta slow down. Or, or a road, I gotta turn around this wall or something. And what happens is we have the same, like I can get this job, but what if I'm not good enough? What if I don't have the money for that? What if I haven't figured out that thing? What if I don't have the connection for that? And so we start putting all these speed bumps in our, we don't dream at full speed anymore. Yeah. And so for me, the C phase is really big. I'm like, how do I teach you to dream at full speed by removing the speed bumps or not putting them in there? And then from there we have clarity. And now we can, like you said, clarity is a big piece. Like I should have mastered clarity in that first C stage, but now I'm like, okay, cool. I know what I want to do. I know where I want to go. Okay. What's the next step? The next one's actually make that shift. Like to really go this, the stance of like, I need to wake up one day and not have a definitive moment in time that it happened. Everyone looks for that moment of like, this happened and then this happened. Like, oh, I make sense. It, could, it usually happens slow and one day you just wake up like, I don't know when, but damn, I'm a, I'm a badass right now. Like, it just <laughs> happened, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and what it is, it's that process I talked about, the, the investment bias over time. And there's three stages, well, kind of four. What you go is you're literally gonna design, develop, deploy, and then you debrief in that deployment. So design your ideal identity. What are the actual tangible identity traits and anchors, I call them, that you need to be to be successful for what you want to do? Develop a plan to take the actions to make that become real. Deploy the damn thing into the world. Let's go. And, and what happens, I deploy out. Here's what a lot of people do. They deploy out. They have this, These processes happen naturally. They deploy out and they get slapped in the face like, oh, that sucked. And they go back and yeah. they don't debrief. They don't learn a lesson. They never redeploy. So what happens is they go back and try something else and something else. We call it shiny object syndrome. Yeah. You wouldn't bounce to something new if you fell in love and killed this thing you did. Like yeah. you just stay here. There's no reason for that. Nothing can take your attention. I'm, I'm focused here. But you, you start looking away because that hurts. Mm -hmm. And so what I tell people is the moment that you go out and you deploy and, and someone, you lose someone on the team, right? Think military. Like somebody goes down. You don't say I'm never going out again. You go back and debrief. Hey, why did it happen? What took place? How I fix it? I go back. I redesign if necessary. Redevelop if necessary. I redeploy. And I keep doing this over and over. It could happen daily. It could happen weekly. It happen monthly. However it works. And if you do this consistently, I found like after about that like, like four-month period, people do wake up and are like, I've been struggling to be a business owner, but I got this stuff in place. I went through the craze. I went through the ringer. And I, and I fell out in the back. And I'm like, I got like five clients. I'm a real coach now. And what it was is they just, they, they go into it with me thinking and realizing it's going to take time to get there. So they don't get stuck at that first hiccup yeah. of deployment. They don't get stuck at the second when they know there's a purpose to go into the pain. And now all of a sudden I get to the back end. This is who I am. I want to ask. Okay. I love this. And it, because in habits research, you know, I, I'm a mindset and habits business coach ultimately. And I mm -hmm. think, and that identity piece is one of the critical pieces of what actually helps people be successful is where they yeah. have an identity shift of seeing themselves as that person and staying on course, no matter what, what do you think? I mean, what I hear you saying is there's the fear comes in, the pain yeah. comes in and mm -hmm. then people go, Oh wait, maybe this isn't my identity. So what do you, what do you, how do you help people stay on course in that new identity development piece. Yeah. So the thing is you're not supposed, you're supposed to question the beginning. Yeah. That's the reason the word belief sits there because you wouldn't have a reason for the word belief if there was a lack thereof, you know? Yeah. And so the, the thing that I tell people in the beginning is it's something you build. Like most people are seeking confidence and a sense of identity in something um, different than what they do now, right? Like I want to, like I played football. My assumption was, well, I played, I was successful. It should work in business because, you know, I'm, I was successful here and I want to take that and transfer it over here. And it's like, no, no, no. 
you think about it, I spent 12 years getting yeah. great at that. I dug. I, I, you know, I, I make sure I, I take the soil, got it clean. I planted a seed. I watered the tree. It grew. I picked the apples. I got to bear the fruit. You can't just go across town, plant a seed, and think an apple's going to pop out of the ground. Yeah. And that's what we're all trying to do. And it's like, no, yeah. you got to go over here and do the, you gotta make the soil right. Plant this tree. Go through the weather. Maybe the thing died at one point. You got to replant. Who knows? But we're all trying to find this thing. And it's a realization for me to express to people's you will start that way. Everybody does. And it's just, it's an incremental over time shift you make. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's just going yeah. to. Like the, if you, if you look, a guy named Bo East, and I love how he says this, is everything that you want in life is yours. The only thing that will hinder it is when you stop. So just go. You're eventually going to get there. Will you get there as fast as Tom, Nick, and Susan? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you go faster, maybe you go yeah. slower. You'll get there though, but you just got to keep on going. And the thing is, most people will measure they'll measure the purpose based on their progress. Yeah. And you can't, you can't no. have this because comparison. Sometimes, especially, you know, I love how you said when you started football, you weren't that good at first, right? Sucked. I think a lot of people make the assumption when they see all the successful people that they're modeling after, they're like, oh, they've just always been good at this, you know, no. which is almost never the case. And, it, and I like to think about walking, you know, when you learn to walk, you fell down hundreds of times but you didn't stop. You kept getting back up. And it's the same thing in business. It's the same thing in sports. It's the same thing with your family and relationships. You know, it takes trial and tribulation. And it's that to me, you know, I think it's so powerful what you're talking about in terms of perseverance, you know, persisting through doubt and failure. You continue on no matter what. So yeah. you persevere because you have that identity piece in your mind where you go, mm -hmm. I am a football player. I, yeah. I'm striving. I'm committed. I'm going to do the daily work. Maybe I'm not the, the, you know, the very top level yet, but I can get there if I keep taking consistent action. And then even when roadblocks come, you then get an identity shift and yeah. did the process over again in a new way. So yeah. that, yeah, that's awesome. I love this. The design, develop, deploy. And, and would you say, so design is the initial stage where you're, you're designing the vision and the identity and who you want to yeah, become. Yeah, and the work yeah. we do, we actually go through and get a clear picture. Like we do research. I have you go and find individuals who have the identity traits that you want for your cool. life. And it may not be the same person that has them all. There's people that have traits that I like and some I absolutely hate. Yeah. The nature so you're of it picking is, right? up the little pieces here and there and piecing yeah. it together for exactly. yourself. Some I, yeah, for myself. And then once I know what those are, I got to look at what are the actions that would make me believe that that's my person. This is the plan. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I want to be a phenomenal dad. What are the actions that that person does or I could do? Yeah. That makes sense to me to, to have that anchor inside and say, you know, I'm a damn good dad. It's yeah. like, I, I steal things from people. Like, you know, in a sense of like the traits, that's okay. Because they don't know, they don't know what's missing. You know, it's the yeah. one thing you could take. Yeah. Nobody knows what's missing. Uh -huh. Like, I love how this person spends time with their kids. What do they do? Oh, they do these things. Like, they, for example, uh, there's, there's people that have like dates with their kids. I call mine dad days. Yeah. So now I'm like, I want to spend solo time with my children. I want to be a great dad. I want to have that in place. I seriously, it's weird, full circle. I went yesterday to my son has ADHD, went to his therapist yesterday and talking to him, he was like, he kept looking at me funny. I'm like, this is odd. This guy's looking at me weird. He goes, I just want to let you know. He's like, in all my years, doing this, I almost never see dads in here. And he's like, I just talked to your son. He's like, I found like you do that. You don't spend time with them individually. I was like, yeah, he goes, dude, like this never happens. I'm like, well, that sucks to hear. Yeah. But that's, that's a testament to how I operate. Right. So yeah. that's one of the traits I took and stole and, and it becomes part of my day. So now that, that statement anchors me more of like, yeah, I'm a good dad, you know? Yeah. And so that's, which then reinforces that. it. Right. And then you just keep that yeah, cycle going, which is amazing. Yeah. And that's how the loop goes. Yeah. It's, it's literally, oh, we could have a big conversation on that. I mean, right. Like dads, 
showing up powerfully, it's interesting to me that that's an anomaly and we go, well, come on, dad, step up, you know, yeah. like, you I love not want to, I've been yeah, that guy. Yeah. Show up. Oh, sure. Oh yeah. Sucks. Yeah. No, no beating anyone up. It's just interesting. I think when, how easy it is to do what you're talking about and actually go, okay, I want to be a good dad or I want to be a great business leader. I want to be great at sports, whatever it is. Okay. And then you go, mm -hmm. what do those people do model after them and take yeah. the steps? I think people really run into the problems when they're not willing to hold out for the outcome. Yeah. You know, they don't wait, the they now. don't do the work long enough and they give mm -hmm. up too quickly because then, you know, that pain point, people have a different tolerance level for pain points. Yeah. And when you're, creating a new identity and cultivating a new habit yeah. there's pain it, you're met it's, with it it's scary immediate feedback totally. even in that yeah. in that aspect at first like even like fatherhood in all aspects when you when you're met with like for example human beings you're trying to change relationship we'll say yeah the first time you start being nice they they don't want to hear it yeah like you get you get kickback you get shame you get wow don't you don't try to change it up now like uh-huh i'm trying to change it up though you know yeah. like and it's this so you're met with that, but you have to keep beating your head against this wall and eventually like it cracks and then it flows in the place you want. Most people want like that, that diamond digging picture, you know, the diamond uh -huh. digging. Yeah. Like everybody's stopping right before the diamond and then uh -huh. walking back and not realizing there's a whole bunch of them there. And so the idea is like, yeah, you gotta lean into something even when it sucks. Yeah. Yes. This is gold. I hope everyone listening is writing down and just copious notes. Take right. copious notes. That's right. Okay. Tell us your favorite book. Or a, a favorite book that's changed your life. Uh, it, it may be not a favorite, but one top ten favorite. <laughs> top ten favorite. One of the ones. So when I got into this this space, I had no idea it existed for the most part. I just happened to a room like, oh, I don't matter. Heard of Tony Robbins, but I didn't know there was like an industry he was in. I was like, just this dude who yeah. gets on stage and sings. Um, and so I started out with this uh, the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah, that's a good one. And I thought it was really cool, not some from a stance of um, of like information that would be you know dog ear, but it's more of like I learned how to interact with people and how I was operating. Like I, one of the, my favorite ones is Seek First, Understand, Then Be Understood. Mm -hmm. That has affected so much of how I am a human being right now, in a sense of how I seek to understand someone's problems before I interject with my statements of what I think they should get and understand from me. Because they're yeah. never going to listen if they don't think that I get them. Yeah. And so why it's such a waste of conversation, right? It's just so so it changed how I talk to my ex-wife, but how I talk to my kids, how I talk to my clients, like everything changed. It's like little stuff like that is is huge. Um, you know, end in mind, like there's always these little unique pieces. So that's a great book that I think if you're getting into it, just grab it. It's seven of them. Try to apply them. Try to make sense of it. It gives you a good kind of dissection of how to to live your life and learn from that point forwards. Yeah, that it. I, well, that book was one of the ones that really helped me fall in love with habits and thinking about how important habits are and how mm -hmm. our entire, all of our outcomes are based on our habits in our thoughts and in our actions, just like you're saying. That's, yeah. that's a great recommendation. Um, diagnose before you, you prescribe. And that mm -hmm. idea of, you know, for people listening, no matter what industry you're in, you've got to understand people before you decide to provide a solution for them. Yeah. So it's that same philosophy. Um, what about a quote? You you already dropped a few. So tell us. No, I got hella quotes, cuz. Oh yeah, I knew <laughs> no. you would. <laughs> no, I, I have uh, I have one that I, that I made that I like, and uh, it was my college coach. He's like, hey, all you guys are gonna meet. We're gonna because he always give quotes before the game. I don't know. It was a weird thing, but it was cool. And he's uh, like, hey, you, this week you guys come in, give me some quotes to stake. And mine was, nice. there are two types of people in this world: those that work and those that watch them at work. I don't mind the audience. Nice. 
Oh, or it's like, Ooh, and sometimes I'll fives. say, you like that? Oh, get yeah, the chills. When I, when I tell people like in audiences, I'm like, make sure you bow for your audience. That's what I tell them too. Like, let them know, let them know. That's one of my yeah. favorite quotes. That's fine. And what, uh, what's your biggest stage you've spoken on? I know the one I was at, you, there uh, were at least, I don't know, a couple thousand people there. Yeah, there was like 2,000. I think I've done, I think the biggest like 32 or something like that, 3,200 people. Nice. After after you get past like 1,000, it's just a big room and it just goes yeah. back, you know? Yeah. And, and then when you get stadiums, I get to do a stadium. It's looking like this next year. I might, I might get that opportunity. I'm, I'm going to talk with some uh, organizations. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it. But it's interesting. I've never been a person that's been like, I don't have stage envy, you know, like it's like, yeah. oh, 15,000. Uh-huh. It's like, it's people's people, but I just love doing my thing, man. Whether it's, seriously, I've had rooms where it's been five people at colleges. They book you to come in. They don't do marketing correctly. Yet five people that come in. You know, yeah. so I'm legit. And had you give five. the five the same energy you give the 3,000. show up, man. We yeah. have a blast. It's yeah. Sometimes it's more fun. And then you have the rooms where it's just huge, but either one, uh, it's just a blast to be able to get up and share. Because I, I always look at it like this right now. We're we're with someone who's listening. If you're listening right now, and this is not just minutes, this is your life. It's actually your life you're spending with us. And so for me, I'm always like, how can I make sure, like, when I tune on, when you guys get in, when I get on this podcast, I can't be tired. Like, I got to make sure I'm showing up because you deserve something great. If I'm taking minutes in your life, I got to give you back something amazing. And so that's how I've always been focused on everything I do, especially when it comes to me being in front of human beings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm in love with podcasts for that reason, because you can learn on the go. It's free knowledge. You get mm-hmm. to learn from people that you would never get to interact with otherwise. Yeah. It's, it's by far my favorite platform to get to spread information and impact Just people's lives. Words. And, right. I want to know what was your, what was the most challenging and most fun part of being an American Ninja Warrior? The Ninja Warrior. Yeah, so, that's uh, a great one. I wasn't supposed to be up. My wife signed me up. She didn't tell me she was signing me up. Seriously? She, was like, hey. she did. She felt like 85% of the thing, all I needed was like a video. She's like, can you film wow. this video for the show? I'm like, what show? I thought it was Wipeout. The one where like, they were like a, uh, time <laughs> these guys are like running around. Like, they didn't, they didn't I love speak Wipeout. English. My kids and I That's, love watching that. <laughs> isn't it nuts? They started in China. Cause we used to watch, I used to watch one back there. I couldn't understand what they were saying. And they had like uh, ad lib. Yeah. They, they dubbed it. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so anyways, I couldn't find out that like this, you know, this other thing, but I didn't find it until later. So did this thing in like November, February comes. I get a call like, hey, Anthony, you've been chosen for this Ninja Wear show. I'm like, what? Like, what is, and I was like, oh, three months ago, I filled that out. Like, oh, let's do it. They call him 240 pounds. Most of the guys in the show were like a buck 60. Yeah. And, uh, and I got 30 days to prepare for this. I've never even been on an <laughs> obstacle. Never even seen this. I've never even seen in person these courses before. And I'm over here wow. applying to be in season nine. And uh, so I, I, I prepped for it. The hardest thing is uh it's like the, the technicality of it i've always had weird strength like at football i, I never took supplements and never did any kind of you know peds i just had natural good like built up strength so I, I was able to compete and do this stuff good body control the hard part is the technicality yeah like if you get your hand in the wrong spot i don't care how strong you are how much you've been trained if you grab that thing funny your season's over because you get yeah. one shot and you're done yeah so shoulder this thing i'm 225 pounds i'd lost some weight and uh, I get in there, man, and the guys, they do like the video. They like me for my story. It's a TV show. They like the story. Right. They had zero thoughts that I would ever hit it. Reason is there's never been a football player to get past two obstacles. Really? Never in the past has, it, has a former NFL athlete gone on because it had them in the past. All the ones that went on never got past like two obstacles. They're like fully in their head. Yeah, yeah he's start. not going to last. <laughs> so I go out there uh, and I go to the little interview the day before and like, all right, go hit a buzzer. I'm like, I'm going to hit a buzzer. Like, sure you are. Like literally like that. Like, sure. <laughs> 
The next day I go out, first time on the obstacle, I'm now the first former NFL athlete to hit a buzzer. Roll nice. through it. See, they're like, oh my God. So afterwards, they're like, they're like, that was not supposed to happen. I was like, yeah, I, I didn't think it was going to happen either, but you know, I, I made it work. And so I got a, I got a whole, they sent someone to my house. They called a home package, a whole you know, interview series of my high school, my gym that I used to own. And yeah, so I, if you go to season nine, episode one, Los Angeles, there's like a whole expose, like five minute piece on me. And I'm, I, I killed it, Dow. You know what I'm saying? That's so fun. So that's I cool. love it. Was it. Also, the coolest thing for me was in all my years, like, you know, my kids, like my son was around when I was playing, but too young. My twins never saw me play football. I wasn't playing anymore. And yeah. when, you, when you do compete, they're up in the stands. But with this, like my kids got to see me compete live, like right alongside this obstacle course, like 20 feet away. And it was cool to have them be able to go home like my dad's a ninja warrior. Yeah, that's cool. Proud. Oh, I think yeah. It's, I think it's cool. Like, and yes, mine was like TV, but even if it's like, you yeah, got a great business, you give back. There's something to be said about your kids being able to look at you, accomplish your goal and be proud of you mm-hmm. and be proud in front of their peers. So that's kind of the That's great. Part. Yeah. You know, um, my son and I, what we, so he's a little, he's 14 now. And so my, the whole life are, I would have dates with my kids similarly. And him and I used to do like pizza movie night or we'd do family pizza movie night. And with him and I, when we would do it solo, we would watch American Ninja Warrior. So after I met, he was like, guess what? I met an American Ninja Warrior. So he's going to be really cool. psyched to know you're on here. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. See? All right. Tell us your top three max potential habits that you believe got you where you are today. Oh yeah, the max potential habits. One is uh, I I am high, super incredibly high integrity about everything I do. I do not like being late. I do not like um, not following through. And I think it, it it speaks volumes about the the pace at which I've been able to progress in all areas of my life, whether it's football, mm-hmm. whether it's this profession here. Uh, and so for me, when I say integrity, it's not just doing the right thing. It's doing what you said you're going to do. It's just it, that's it. So I'm very keen on what I say I'm going to do. Like I, I, I don't put a lot out there because I'm going to do all of this. That's a big piece. Um, it's being very clear of showing up because when somebody feels respected like that, that, that goes a long way. And I think all your success lives and dies in the dark. It's the conversation had about you in a private room, which will make your business or your life, whatever, live or die. So if somebody says something that's bad to say about you, that's because you did them wrong. And don't think because you did something wrong and nobody knows it's not going to come back. It always does. What you do in the dark comes in a light. So integrity, it's the one thing I hammer on to my kids big. It's like, you got to be a person of your word in all aspects. And uh, yes, that's one piece. The other one is, is realizing I'm not going to die. I don't know if it's a habit, but when I look at a lot of, that's weird to do it out of preference. I realize without a preface, it sounds odd. Like you're going to die. Just so you guys know, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Um, at some point, I mean, you're not going to die if you take this scary leap. That's the thing for me. And so I, I look at things and I've found that uh, along my life's journey, all the things that I was afraid of, I was afraid for a reason because it had some sort of importance. And what scared me was the thing that I didn't know could happen. I always focus on the unknown negative. This is going to go wrong. This is going to be bad. And then I look back at my college coach and he was like, hey, you know, I never want you to get into a football game on your first rep, um, be the first time you've taken a snap. I was like, what do you mean? Like the first rep, it's the beginning of the game. It could have been another snap. He goes, no, you got to visualize it. And when you visualize, don't visualize yourself making a, you know, a, a missed tackle or dropping a ball. Like visualize that you killed that play, that you had the best play. So it's like you show up there, you've already done this. It's like clockwork. And so for me, I'm really big on making sure that I, I show up and do things in a, a, a different stance, different perspective than most people would. So I, I go into things realizing I'm not going to die. And my focus goes towards 
heavy on the positive. I envision the all and then unknown that scares me. What is the unknown positive? What's the yeah. unknown great? And so that's I'm great. always focused on that. And that's what and the Ninja Warrior was. Had, I'm telling you, everybody was like, this guy's too big. It's just not going to happen. If I had to focus on him too big, in the moment it got harder, I'd have been like, oh, I'm too big. It's okay. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. God, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get that buzzer right there. And so the perspective changes because when my focus goes, energy flows. So I'm always looking at things from the stance of, I'm not going to die. Uh, and then the last one is, one. I guess, habit-wise, I don't know how you would look at this as a habit, but I, I want to make sure that I communicate to everybody at the level they need to be communicated to. So for my kids, with my wife, with my clients, I don't try to highball it, go big. Uh, I realize that my job is to connect with human beings. And it, no matter what it is, and that comes with me, the Covey says, treat everybody the same by treating everybody different. And I love that one. So in my life, every, my kids, I treat them the same by treating them different. Like they all get yeah. that, that difference from them. My clients the same way. Like I realize everybody has a different need and that gives me a lot of empathy and compassion for the world. Realizing that just because it frustrates me doesn't mean it, it's any different. Like the whole thing with like people saying, oh, you had a really tough you know, situation. Like, and I see people in the world like, well, you didn't go through what I went through. So it's difficult and you can't even, you know, it's like, yeah, but if you think about the emotional impact, if we had to put on a scale, like the, the emotional Richter scale, me going through what I went through for me was, 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 was you know, high. At this point, looking back, like I, I navigated, like I might've been like an eight for me. But as some kid who might've had a silver spoon, when mom and dad, you know, took them out of a sport, that could have been a 10 for them. Yeah. The emotional Richter scare could have been, so emotionally, relatively, that person did feel something. You know, yeah, they didn't feel my thing, but is that a, a, a moment for me to step in and make them feel worse? Like, right. no. Like it's a relative thing. So for me, I, I look at every human I'm around and what's going on in their heart. My habit is to lean towards the aspect of, I don't know what their story is, what their relative pain is. And so if I'm really going to be the guy that, that you see talking like this, I got to show up with integrity and be the guy that lives and loves people the way they need to be. Yeah, those are incredible. And, you know, it's interesting to think about habits. I like how you're saying, you know, I don't know if this is a habit. And the truth is, I think about almost everything we do as a habit. It's you implementing certain ways of being that become habitual characteristics of yourself. So you've yeah. shaped your identity around these and mindset as a habit, you know, so you shifting toward the positive. I think a lot of people get stuck. I love number two, where you talked about realizing I'm not going to die if I take that scary leap, because most people think I'm going to take the scary leap and then they make up a whole bunch of stories about what's going to happen in the negative direction. And all you need to do is take the scary leap and look to the positive and expect that to happen instead. Who knows what outcome exactly you'll get. You might have to take multiple leaps multiple times to get the outcome you want, but yep. we make up all kinds of scary stories. You might as well make up a fun, positive one. Yeah. And <laughs> right? then we have this thing. It does like failure because it's failure is what we're worried about. Yeah. See, the problem is people don't realize that there, there's levels. Like JD says, there's levels to this stuff, right? There's, yeah. there's levels to it. And failure, the problem is there's actually six levels. The top one is like, it's just, you know, abject failure, the end of it. It's all going to, right, it's done. Structural is like, hey, it's heavy structure, but it could, you know, you know mess up. But it, it, it can still be fixable. Below that you have a level, it's kind of like this, um, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know the word I usually use for, but it's kind of like, it's going to happen. It's like, you know, a catastrophic, like, all right hit the mark, like, all right, it's going to blow up, right? It goes crazy. Then you have the expected or like common failure. And yeah. The common failure is like the thank you is made for that. Then you have the version failure, which is like version 1.0 of the iPhone. And there's the version 2.0. Then you have expected failure. And so what happens is we have things that are like version failure. For example, a relationship. Yeah. Man, this relationship ended. It was just version, you know, 1.0. I'm unlovable. 
no one's gonna love me. You stick it at the, the abject failure and like, I can never be in a relationship again. And it's yeah. like, so now you give no effort, like you think it's the end of the road. And it might've been when it's just like, you know, the, the explosive failure, like, ah, oh, just blow this thing up and keep moving, there's different levels. And so when I say I'm not gonna die, what I'm saying is I just don't put everything in the abject failure box. Yeah. Version or it's expected. Like, yeah, business. If you just you just got into it, what the hell makes you think you should expect to win and make a million dollars right now? Like you should go yeah. in thinking this is version or expected failure. Then when it's a failure, you don't feel as bad. Like, mm -hmm. no, I knew it was gonna happen. I failed. It's okay. Like that's where a lot of people who operate and say fail often. It's because they put these failures in lower boxes and yeah. they grasp the meaning of them, what they're supposed to learn from them, and now we can move forwards. That's awesome. Super helpful. Rewind that everyone and listen and do version failure, fail faster, fail forward, fail smarter. I mean, mm -hmm. like I'm not, I love failing. I, I, and it's such a funny thing to say, but I go like, I learned, I, from my, I have learned volumes from every failure, you know, and I don't even, the, the word failure to me is funny because I think about it like mistakes. There are no mistakes. It's your attitude about it. It's your attitude about the failure. It's your attitude mm -hmm. of okay, what am I going to learn from this? How am I going to grow from this? What direction am I going to go now? So that was awesome. Thank you. Okay. Uh -huh. If not, that I, not I want you to die today or it's going to happen, but if you were, yeah. if you had last words, what would your number one tip for life be? For life? I would yeah. say, uh, I would say own your shift. Yeah. And, it's, uh, and there's, there's levels to that one too. Cause everything with me has levels. I, <laughs> I know. Okay. I like it's this okay. about you. You're very systematic. Like you've got structure for things. <laughs> everything has a purpose and a place. Yeah. I think too much, but I don't at the same time. I love, no, I love I things. Anyway. Great. So, so I look at own your shift is actually a statement I have written on my mind tent bracelet and, uh, and own your shift has three levels. So the first one, if you think about it, it's like, if you own your shift, like you can make some, you can make shift happen. I'm a little bit like, make shift happen in your life, whatever it is, like do some craziness and it's every day. So my community is called the shift starters, right? We just we start shift daily. Now to own your shift is three tiers. One is to own my fault, my responsibility, either one. It could be your fault. If it's not your fault, it's definitely your responsibility, right? Own that it's, it's my thing that got me here, right? Mm -hmm. Then your says it's your job to do the work. Like it's not somebody else's. Like you got, you can feel as well, here was my fault. Here was like, you know, whatever it was. Now, okay, damn, it's my fault. I got to do the work now. Like you, you can't say this took place. I'm owning this, but it was your fault. Yeah. You got to fix this. I, I got to, I got to fix it. And then the shift, the shift is the actual work. Like now that you know, something's wrong and you know, it's you're on you to do it. Some people will be like, I don't want to do it. I'm going to sit back and they just keep enduring it over and over and over. Whereas for me, it's like, no, no, no shift, like do that work. And then you come back and now you can own your shift to make shift happen. Yeah. Ah. High fives. High five, no, no, high people five. can't see us, but we're high fiving over here. This is awesome. I could talk yeah. to you all day long. I love it. Share with everyone because I'm certain they're gonna want to follow you. I know you have the Aw Shift podcast. I got to be a yeah. guest on there. Awesome mm -hmm. podcast. So there's that. Where else can people find you? Uh, on IG of all places, right? Uh, IG. At Anthony Trucks. Pretty much any of the, the things if you ended at Anthony Trucks. So Facebook and Anthony Trucks. I spend like the majority of my time on Instagram, however. And then uh, okay. people are curious about their, their themselves right now. Someone's like, I wonder where I fit in this whole thing. There are two types of identities and it's one of them has multiple levels. One's a slow identity, right? Which is when opportunities or problems pick up, you slow down. If it's a problem, I slow down, I tuck away, I hide. Or if it's a great opportunity, I get scared, I slow down, I hide. Uh, so that's people are afraid of success. Then you have the go identity, which is a person that when a, a problem hits, I don't want to be here, I'm going to go hard and get it figured out. Or an opportunity hits, I'm going to go hard and figure it out. But there's multiple levels of a go identity. And so a go identity, like I have a go, you have a go. 
but like The Rock and Oprah have a different go identity. You know what I mean? Like they're just it's different. And I don't want to be Dwayne. Like I, yeah. I don't do all that. And so there's different levels. But if you can get a chance to figure it out, it's good. So if you go to sloworgo.co, uh, you can actually get a chance to take the quiz and see where you fit. Oh, we got fits awesome. in there. I love that. I might. I'm gonna say NFA go. NFA go. Get NFA it. NFA go. Yes. <laughs> All right. This has been incredible. Uh, for everyone listening, I'll have your all your stuff in the show notes. So if you want to connect with Anthony, do it there. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome. And I will see everyone next week. I hope you have an incredible week where you thrive and feel alive.